Welcome to the Executive Function Podcast, where we make the invisible keys to success easy for you to teach your child. We'll go beyond theory to proven action, helping you create peace and independence at home and at school with your host, educational author, award-winning teacher, and celebrated learning coach, Sarah Kesti. Hey, everyone. So we have a super special guest, um, a hero of mine. So I was a little geeked out when we started collaborating. This is the wonderful executive function expert, Seth Perler. Hi, everybody. Hi, Sarah Kesti. Hey. And everybody for my audience, Sarah Kesti has a podcast. She stole my podcast. It's called the Executive Function Podcast. The most boring name ever, but the best name ever, because that's what I was going to do. Now I can't do it. But she literally has a podcast called the Executive Function Podcast, which is super cool. So hi. Hi. And she's going to be on TIFOS, my summit this year. Yes. Yes. And we'll tell you all about how to sign up for that in just a bit. But I and by the way, sorry, I stole the name. I kicked around 100,000 ideas and then realized that's probably the most appropriate name. I, I, I came to the same conclusion. <laughs> I know it's like we've had parallel brains for a little bit. Yep. Nice. Well, Seth is here, Tribe, because he has some really good tips about making an executive function friendly home. Say that three times fast. He has some really good ideas that will help you transform your child's experience at home really easily. So, Seth, what do you got for us? Yeah, so Sarah and I were talking the other day and we were talking about this coming fall and some of the really important things executive function wise for this coming fall. And there's a lot of important things, but one of, but one of them uh, is the environment at home, is having an executive function friendly environment and how do you do that? So when I'm working with families, the, you, the first thing that I do when it comes to having an executive function friendly environment is something a lot of you probably will not want to do. Um, and that is decluttering, decluttering, downsizing, minimizing, getting rid of stuff. And the reason is, is because I always say the more stuff you have, the more stuff you have to manage. So these kiddos who struggle with the organization anyway, the more stuff they have, the more clutter they have, the more toys they have, the more books they have, the more clothes they have, the more papers they have, the more stuff they have, the more stuff that they have to manage. And then we expect them to be able to manage things. You know, when you and I were kids, Sarah, or the people listening, you know, I, I, I grew up in the 1920s, just kidding, <laughs> a long time ago. Um, we didn't have as much clutter and stuff. It just didn't exist to have that much you know, and, and I still had plenty of stuff. And then, you know, I got into aquariums and then I had a lot of aquarium stuff. I have multiple aquariums and filters and blah, blah, blah. And then got into guitars. And I, yeah, at one point had so many guitars and so many amplifiers and blah, blah, blah. And just, you know, and art stuff and this and that. And so the first thing really is declutter. And the way that I declutter with families is I talk about decluttering in three ways. One is decluttering physically, meaning your closets, under the bed, the books, the toys, the, the stuff, the garage, the basement, the drawers, decluttering stuff. Two is decluttering mentally. That's clutter that we have in our minds. That's unresolved stuff that might require therapy, journaling, resolving stuff with the family, with your child, whatever. 
but our kids carry stuff too. Like how do we help them resolve, um, you know, mental stuff that's, that's clutter, that's taking up space, that's preventing them from really fully being present in their life. And three is decluttering digitally. So how do we declutter our inboxes? How do we declutter uh, all of the stuff on our desks, the computer desktops, this, that, and the other. So there's sort of those three breakdowns that I like to take people through. And when I start working with people, I definitely notice sort of two types of families I have and, and everything in between, but the two extremes of families, because I, I go to families' houses to work with them a lot of times. And um, there's the type of family who is pretty decluttered, pretty minimized, pretty, you know, um, they're kind of minimalist or minimalistic or min minimalist ish, or there's a book called essentialism, essentialist or whatever you call them, but they just don't really have tons of clutter. They really have created a household that just has kind of what is essential and not tons of it. And then I have the whole other extreme where it's like, hard to walk through the house because there's stuff everywhere and there's no room to even walk. And, and, um, and there's no judgment of any sort there. I mean, I'm, I'm a minimalist today, but I had so much stuff for so much of my life. And as someone with ADHD and executive function challenges, I cannot tell you how much I love decluttering, how much, how free it feels, how, I mean, I, I still like things, but I have two guitars now. Actually, I have three for a purpose. <laughs> I have a very, and I like expensive guitars. I have a really nice electric, a really nice acoustic, and I have a junky acoustic that I can take, you know, to campfires and beat up and not worry about. Um, and I have nice sunglasses because I like nice sunglasses, you know, it's like, but I don't have 50 pairs, you know? So um, it's not that we can't have stuff but I, I really like to get my kids to have stuff that they really appreciate, really value, really use and not just collect. Uh, so sometimes this is really hard to get people to declutter. Um, and I have methods that maybe you and I will talk about today, maybe not, but to get people started because it can be really stressful. But once people are done, I, and I've done this with so many students, I'll usually when I work with someone, we start with a backpack because we do a backpack dump and we go through every paper and every notebook. I mean, I declutter so much with people that I will take a kid's planner. And when kids get a planner from the school, they're like 80 pages long. And we rip out all the pages of the dates that were passed. The school handbook is often in the planner. We rip them out and throw them away. Why? They never look at it. If they're not into science, we rip out the periodic table or the commonly misspelled words or the six pages of blank notes in the back of the planner. Every single thing that's not a planner, we even declutter that. So I go to that level with these kids. But it really, um, you know, when we're doing an executive function friendly household, the first thing really to do is declutter so that your kiddo has a manageable amount of stuff to even start with. And then they can start, you know, executing or organizing stuff that's manageable and it will reduce the battles in, in the house and the frustration and the, cause they often legitimately don't know where to start. You've seen this in your classroom. When I was a teacher for 12 years, one of the things I did well, I'll, I'll talk about that method in a moment, but anyhow, what, what was going through your mind while I was talking about the decluttering stuff. Oh, and then, sorry, Sarah, no, the digital, I did not mention the digital is unsubscribing. These kids have, some of them have thousands of emails. They subscribe to something they like, they never open them. So that can be hard. Like I can be like, dude, you're telling me you want to keep subscribed to this, 
but you have not opened any of these in the last year. Like they're just there. Oh, well, I want them. Like, it's hard to kind of get through to them that a, your information is not necessarily safe. The more you get your email address out there, the more um, potential for breaches and people get it in anyhow. But we want to unsubscribe them. We want to deal with their inbox, delete stuff, deal with their desktops, their just the digital clutter, their links, their just all this digital clutter too. Like it's anyhow. So those that's kind of how I approach that decluttering, minimizing, and downsizing as the first step to creating an executive functioning friendly household. I love it. And I think a couple of things emerged while you were talking in terms of, um, you know, when they're afraid to get rid of something or, oh, but what if I need it? There's that anxiety. And I think that's because they're so used to being in trouble for forgetting or not having like systems to maintain things. So as like a secondary approach to address that anxiety is say, hey, let's keep a master list of things that you're interested in. If you ever have time to look them up, cool, but you don't need the newsletter as a visual prompt because it's not working, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, something that I've found that actually works super well, even though it seems so hokey, <laughs> is having like a parking spot, especially for things that you lose all the time. So when you were describing that, I was like, oh, that reminds me of just using, you know, like painter's tape or electrical tape or just, you know, kind of doing the shape on the desk. This is where my glasses park every night or this is where my soccer ball parks. If you think about the minutes you get back because you're not chasing down these necessities, it's freedom. But it is a system to learn and it takes time. So it's not what Seth is describing is a process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's on an overnight kind of deal, but the value is huge. Yeah. Now, in, in doing this, the, you know, at the very, very, very least it is, it's overwhelming. I mean, if you do have a lot of clutter in the household, like when I, when I moved out of Colorado, five years ago or some a while back when I I'd been in Colorado for 15 or whatever years and I, I decided I'm going to get rid of almost everything I own and um, it took months months and now it's easy for me because I've done it multiple times and I've really kept it um, very minimized. But at the very least, what we want to do with our kids, you may not do the whole house and everything, but we want to do their, what I call in my program and my work and stuff, the SSS. I call it the sacred study space. And I call it sacred because I want the mindset of the student to be like, okay, this is a sacred space. I'm not going to throw my laundry here. I'm not going to throw my hobbies here. Like this is a place I may not study here all the time or do my homework here all the time, but if I need to get down in business, this is my place where I do it. And we customize that. We really tailor it so that they have involvement in the process and it feels cool. If they want a blank slate wall, it's blank. If they want posters of rock and roll, which is something like, I like stuff like that, we do that. If they want famous quotes, we do that. If they want a noisemaker, we do that. If they want silence, we do that, blah, 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 blah. But we want to customize the space so that it feels like it's theirs and it's their place where they can really concentrate when they need to. So that that at the very least, we want to declutter that space, go through all the papers, the folders, the supplies. I do not want my students having 500 unsharpened pencils in their study space. 
Put it in a parking place, like you said, in a closet called random supplies Mm -hmm. and give them five sharpened ones and one pair of scissors and one stapler and one thing of tape and, you know, three highlighters and three rubber bands and, you know, whatever the things are. But again, I want my students to be able to manage what's manageable and we need to really understand that their brains are learning. And when there is so much clutter, the brain doesn't know what to do with that. And we want them to learn these skills and learn sorting and learn how to intentionally have places for things because they will need this their whole life. So I definitely really want to recommend getting your SSS, your sacred study space, really decluttered and then intentionally designed for the fall and the backpack and the folders and all and the locker and all that stuff. But I love it. So and if I you're love- not going to do under the bed in the closet and the old clothes and the old and all the drawers and all the shelves and then at least do the SSS. Yeah, it's and it can be step by step. I think our brains interpret the big picture as too overwhelming. And so we use a lot of tricky avoidance techniques. But if it's just like, hey, if it's just the SSS, you know, it's it's manageable. And then, you know, if your child's feeling like I still can't do it, then maybe walk them through either visualizing doing it, partner up and do it alongside, take some photos to support the process so that they can reference mm, later. Um, all of that just kind of talks our brain off the ledge of, whoa, this is too much. Um, and Seth, I love that you spoke to the involve the kids, have them have ownership, because I think a lot of well-intended grownups, this one included, do executive function to kids and then get mad when they don't internalize it. Like, but I got you this cool planner. Why aren't you using it? Well, cause I don't know how, or I haven't had the buy-in experience or, you know, I prefer digital, you know, we, we've got to at least have a setup for voice and choice when we're setting up all of this stuff. I like that voice and choice. Voice and choice. Oh, I, I got all the, kitschy ones to remember, you know, like that one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's great. And then that leads into perfectly into my next thought around this stuff, which is the, we we did the digital decluttering now for the executive function friendly home. We want to do the digital organizing. So I take my kids at the beginning of a semester when I, I start working with them and we have to have those links bookmarked, those passwords available. I, you wouldn't believe how many kids I start working with. I see them in November and they don't even know their password to log into their portal. And it's like, no wonder you have no idea what's going on and you're failing all your classes. So really starting off your executive function friendly household with on the devices, having all the important links organized, thought through in the passwords, um, all set up at the beginning of the year. So that's a, another thing that we want to do. Can I add to that? Yeah, I absolutely. Say, okay, thank you. This is your show. <laughs> it's our, it's our show. We both our thought show. of it. Um, you know, I think the way we respond when kids need help shapes whether or not they're going to ask for help in the future. And too often I've seen the grownups, well-intended as we are, either teachers or parents saying like, why don't you know your password? And it becomes a shame path instead of like, oops, that's gotta be tricky. Here's your password. What are you gonna do to remember it? 
-hmm. And it just has a really different tone. Like, I know it sucks to have forgotten this. Where can you put it so this doesn't happen again? And it's, um, I've seen it too many times where kids just are paralyzed. And honestly, they'd rather not get the help and not show that vulnerability. And that's when we see them kind of dive into the avoidance, or if I'm naughty enough, I'll get kicked out of class or whatever it is, because it's scary to ask for help. Yeah, because they've had experiences where it can be shaming. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to move on to my next one, which you alluded to as well. You and I are so um, aligned on this stuff. But um, you were talking about the parking space and using tape and blah, blah, blah. I've never used tape. I love that idea. Excellent. Feel idea. It, it's free. It's so good. Um, but the idea that that goes under my mind is visual, 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 visual. Tape is visual. And that this is where I'm going to, I'm going to show you guys. Some of you are listening on the podcast. Some of you are watching on YouTube, but I'm going to show you a couple of my examples. So, and this is what I was talking about before I said, I'll circle back to it. When you and I were teachers, when I was a teacher, now I have my own executive function struggles and ADHD. So being a teacher with ADHD, I absolutely positively would have gone nuts had I not created extensive systems to manage everything. I mean, I have enough trouble managing my life. How am I going to manage, you know, multiple classes of kids? Let's say, you know, when I was teaching middle school, I might have, uh, I might have a math class that comes in and a science class that comes in a social studies class and a language arts class. And I'm teaching all four classes um, each day. You know, I might have whatever, six different classes. How am I going to manage that? So I had like um, colored inboxes for each class where homework went. So I might have a red class for period one, period two might be green, et cetera. Uh, or science might be green, language arts might be blue, whatever. Then they would have their folders. I had systems where I had them keep folders in the room. They were certain colors for certain classes. Um, and then I had boxes for everything. So if a kid said, hey, Mr. P, what's up? Um, do you have any scissors? I'd be like, this is your classroom. Where, where, where do you think they might be? And I do not say that with sarcasm or contempt. So I want to, if you're listening, I want you to understand that is not what I'm doing. But I do say, where do you think they'd be? Because I don't want to rescue them. They know, but they have to think and I have to give them the opportunity to actually access their brain and be like, oh yeah. And they might look around for a moment and be like, oh, in the supply area? Yes, guess what? In Seth's classroom, the supply area has a massive sign that says supplies. And if you want scissors in Seth's supply area, there's a giant box that says scissors with clear labels that has a drawing or a picture of scissors on it. You know, like I, I had that for colored pencils, for Sharpies, for pencils, for paper, for lined paper, for blank paper, for construction. Everything in my classroom had a giant label and was in a logical place. Now, in, so you're talking about the parking spot and that concept is great with tape. You can do it any way you want, but it has to be visual, 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 visual. Look, if your kiddo and you say, hey, you got to clean up your room and they really don't know where to start. I mean, you might just put on the drawers and it might seem insane to you to do this. Your kid might be in high school, but you still might put big, giant, different colored labels on the drawers that say socks, T-shirts, blah, blah, blah. And don't worry if they don't fold them and stuff. If they get it in there, that might be a success. Shoes go in a box. They don't have to be a nice, pretty rose, just a giant box that says shoes or this, that or the other. I'm going to show you some parking spots that are mine, that are real, that I brought here for this interview. 
This is uh, from Costco. I just like these boxes. This is a um, real life parking spot that I have for anything that has to do with money. So if I get a receipt, that's a business receipt, it goes in here. If I'm looking for my checkbooks, they're in here. If I'm looking for a gift card, it's in there. Um, if I'm looking for anything that has to do with money that I don't carry with me every day goes in that box. If I'm looking for anything, you know, I minimized my guitar stuff. I, I only have three guitars now. I used to have a lot and I only have one amplifier, but I have some guitar stuff I need. It's all in this box. I do not care what I need. It is in this box. So if I need extra strings, it's in this box. If I need a guitar hook, it's in this box. If I need the guitar polish, it's in this box. If I need the instructions, my amplifier, it's in this box. So this is the home, the home or the parking space for all things guitar. Now, I often set my high school and college students up with a file box. This is my only file box I own. This is the only one I need anymore. Almost everything is digital. But if I'm looking for, you know, my will, if I'm looking for um, uh, bank stuff that I need, if I'm looking for instruction booklets, it's all in there. And then I have a parking spot for my inbox. That's my physical inbox. So this is what I use daily of like papers I need to go through every day. Or like if I'm going to start working in the morning, anything that I need to address is going to be in there. <coughs> Excuse me. So I now what I don't have on these, if you're watching on YouTube, is I don't have labels on these because um, <laughs> I'm a grown man and I do not need labels for these things. I've got good enough executive function. But if I am with kids, I will tell you in, in my office, um, in my classroom, everything is labeled and color coded clearly, clearly. So that, that visual thing and I uh, use the term parking spots. I use the term homes. There are homes for things and I don't want complex homes for things. Again, if you have random school supplies that your kid doesn't need to have in their periphery, stick them in the closet in a box with a giant label on it called random school supplies. And they just all go in there together. They don't, they're not organized in that. They don't have to be, you know, or if it's sporting goods or if it's electronics or extra cables or thing, you know, whatever the category is, they need to start learning to do this. Um, and especially when they're going to college and they're going to have a, a, if they go to college and they have like a roommate in the dorms, I mean, they really, you know, they're really on their own. I get a lot of college freshmen who everything falls apart at that point, but they don't even know how to organize their stuff and they can have conflict socially with their roommate too, because that. anyhow, that's what I got. I got to go in a second, Sarah, but basically visuals, homes for things, decluttering digitally, mentally, and um, physically, uh, having a sacred study space, and then organizing those spaces, yeah, with, with the color coding and the homes for things. And that's sort of the gist of how I start people getting an executive function friendly home is those, those sorts of things. I love it. And as you're layering on, I'm like, oh, then we could schedule maintenance times and we could call it a party and we could do, you know, just there's so, so that's so why much. I call it a party. I exactly. You and I, that, that's yeah, it's a party. We spend all day Saturday, like making your place awesome. We go to the store, we get cool stuff, like make it fun, order, order pizza or whatever they want. Yeah. And then what was the other one you said? Oh, maintenance. My Sunday night, it's called SNO. It's called a Sunday night overhaul. I want them to do maintenance things every Sunday night, like maintaining their planner or their backpack, their so study. Smart. Making sure so. clothes are washed, all of it. Yep. Yeah. Sundays, 
And then we also call cleaning the house a blitz and we'll make a playlist. And then it actually kind of tricks my brain, even though I know these tricks, it works. Yep. So Seth, thank you for being on here. And you know, everybody who's here listening or watching on YouTube, thank you for being here. And if this kind of piqued your interest and you're like, whoa, they're speaking to my household, we have the most exciting resource for you called the Executive Function Online Summit that Seth has put together. And I have the honor of being part of this year. And I am just still very starstruck because Seth is amazing. So, um, and that's your tribe, everybody. We're there to help and speak from the heart. And that's our number one goal. Um, so if you wanted to sign up for that, it's free to attend. It starts on August 20th. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's a weekend to immerse yourself in a bunch of executive function experts. It's for parents. Other people can go. go. We get teachers and therapists and others. But um, yeah, we created this this our third year. And it is just an amazing immersive weekend. You'll be Your head will be spinning by the end of it. But you have so many insights and strategies to help your kiddo it's and it doesn't matter if they're in college or kindergarten yeah right so if you want to sign up i made a short link because our brains like short things so it's bit.ly forward slash t-e-f-o-s 21 okay i had to add the 21 because otherwise it takes you to some foreign language google form not what we're intending so t E-F-O-S stands for the Executive fun- uh, Function Online Summit. So it's bit.ly forward slash T-E-F-O-S 21. And if you're like me and somebody's throwing letters at your brain, they just kind of fling around. I will have it in the show notes. I will have it on my website and um, Facebook, all that good stuff. You can't miss it. We will link it in the video as well here. And we're just truly, truly honored to have you in August. Um, If you do decide to buy the recordings, there's also a ton of freebies that you get. So it's a really good option if you love the information and wanna keep it so that you can access it again. Sometimes you do. Otherwise, um, the free option is available too, if that's not um, in your space right now. Either way, we want to help our families and share our geeky executive function tips. I have a site, SethPerler.com and YouTube, and I have lots of resources for parents and teachers. Check it out. I will definitely link it because Seth is incredible. And it's, you know, the more the merrier in this space helping our tribe. All right, everybody. The Executive Function Podcast. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Executive Function Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please head over to sarahkesty.com where you'll find more resources and chances to connect with others. And please remember to like and review the show wherever you listen to this podcast. We're eager to transform the lives of even more families.